Lays it into Trey. Two seconds wide. Trey Slaughter. Hello and welcome back to the Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks team coverage podcast, formerly known as Hoopball Hawks, where we cover everything regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Brad Harden, recording live from Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm recording this on Monday, December 13th. Unfortunately, Friday night, Hawks drop another ESPN game to the Brooklyn Nets, and with a favorable schedule coming up for the Hawks with the Rockets tonight here at State Farm Arena. And then they go on the road to take on the Orlando Magic on Wednesday before a tough schedule to close out the month of December. I will talk about what the Hawks need to do to string together some games before a tough stretch just before Christmas. And we'll talk about what the Hawks are missing as far as injuries are concerned, and a potential move before the trade deadline if things do not turn around. We're going to talk about all this after this plug. If you like losing money, turn this off right now. But if you love free band, free bands, just like Super Future, then keep listening. Sports betting is getting huge across the nation, and all of my homies love to bet on games. There are a bunch of sites out there for sports betting, but all of my homies love my bookie. Why? Because it's so easy to use. And since y'all my homies too, I'm going to plug you. All my homies listening right now can sign up for my bookie with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus. 100%, just like an A-plus in school. Hopefully you got them, but if not, this your chance to get 100%. You like playing blackjack? There are some very fun and free blackjack tournaments, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. There is so much that you can do on my bookie, and the best thing is, is that no cash is required to enter, and you can win up to $100 in daily challenges and up to $1,000 in weekly tournaments. So you want a chance at free cash money? Then again, my homies, sign up with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus and try to score some in the words of future, like I said earlier, free band, free band. All right, and we are back. As you hear, this is the strongest my voice has been. I'm pretty close to 100%. Again, I continue to thank you for you guys' patience, your prayers, your concerns. I have made almost a full recovery, and you can hear it in my voice. I am back confident, so you can feel the energy in the booth. And I wish that energy was in the fourth quarter of the game on Friday night. But before we talk about that, we asked for national televised games here in Atlanta. We wanted exposure. We wanted respect. We got it. And now the Hawks are 2-4 and four in national televised games this year. We're 1-0 on TNT. 0-1 right now on NBA TV with the blowout loss to Philly. And 1-3 on ESPN. We don't need any more ESPN games for a bit. But 
Be careful what you ask for. We have one just right around the corner with Christmas coming. And I broke down the stats as far as which nights the ESPN games are on in the record so far for the Hawks. On Wednesday night games, Hawks are 1-1, one one, 500. Not bad, not bad. We beat New Orleans, and then we lost to Brooklyn on the road in those two games. But on Friday night ESPN games, we are 0-2. 0-2 on Friday night ESPN games. So no more Friday night ESPN games, please. We don't need any more because we just don't bring it. We just don't bring it or we just falter in the fourth quarter. Our next ESPN game is on Christmas Day versus the struggling New York Knicks. That game is on a Saturday, so hopefully that switches up our luck and we can go 1-0 on Saturday ESPN games. But we're going to certainly get their best shot on Christmas Day in the Garden. New budding rivalry here in the East after us knocking out the Knicks in the first round last year of the NBA playoffs. And to look ahead, Outside of that Knicks matchup on Christmas Day, the Hawks have three more ESPN games this year. Next one after the Knicks game is on the road in L.A. versus the Lakers on January 7th. That's a Friday night game. E, fingers crossed, prayer beads, whatever you got to do there. Next game after that will be on the road versus the Dallas Mavericks on a Sunday night on February 6th. And the last ESPN game of the year for the Hawks will be on March 9th, a Wednesday night game versus the Milwaukee Bucks on the road. Hawks have four more NBA TV games, including two in the month of December. They will take on the Orlando Magic at home on December 22nd. And a few games later, they're going to be back at home versus the Chicago Bulls on December 27th. Next game after that, a few games after that, on the road versus the Toronto Raptors on January 4th on NBA TV. And the last NBA TV game will be here at home versus the Golden State Warriors, who will get Clay back. It's going to be certainly a tall task, but Hawks should be fully healthy by then. So what's up? We'll see. And that game will be on March 25th. Hawks do have one ABC game at Boston on a Sunday afternoon on February 13th. And then two more TNT games against the Boston Celtics on the road March 1st. And then the last TNT game will be on the road in New York on March 22nd. So there is time for this team to get healthy and certainly put on better showings nationally for all those new Hawks fans around the nation. Hopefully you're listening to this podcast. And if you know a Hawks fan that does not live in Atlanta or lives in Atlanta, who doesn't know about this podcast, put them on. We need more Hawks fans listening to this show. And I certainly understand it's frustrating wanting these national televised games and having these showings. And outside of the loss that was a blowout, at Philadelphia on NBA TV, most of the losses on national television have been due to fourth quarter blunders and just poor execution, bad calls, unfortunate breaks, wherever you, whatever you want to call it. That's what typically happens. 
And we were not exempt from that on Friday night in our loss to the Brooklyn Nets. We had poor officiating, poor execution, lack of ball movement, not feeding the hot hands, cough, cough, Kevin Herter. And in that next game, Hawks would have the lead for a lot of the game until about midway through the third quarter. Then it went back and forth. Hawks would go cold in the fourth quarter. And the Nets went on a run to take the lead and pretty much never give it up to end the game. Most fans will remember the blown layup by TLC on a fast break after a steal. Really could have turned the tide and just, ugh, just very frustrating. And I remember, you know, Trey Young punching the ball to start to dribble, getting a weird foul call that's rarely called, but it's a foul. Um, they got it right, but it's just never called in games. And just a weird game down the stretch where you saw where it was going, leading everyone to think as Hawks fans, oh, hell no, nah, here we go again. And behold, here we win again. Another bad fourth quarter where we lost the game and the Hawks were outscored by the Nets 24-14 to in that quarter. KD, as you know, KD did KD things and was acting like big brother all up on Trey Young. That was very weird. But all of, at the end of the game, obviously, they got into it, double technical fouls. But, you know, from his days being in OKC, Trey Young growing up in Norman, Oklahoma, going to Thunder Games, obviously they got a good relationship, competitive battle. Going to have that when you, you know, competitors. But KD ended up with 31 points that night, five rebounds, six assists. James Harden, 20 points, 11 assists, five rebounds. Aldridge, 15 points. Patty Mills, 11 points, two former Spurs. Interesting there. 15 points off the bench from Bruce Brown and... Cam Thomas, the rookie from LSU, potentially a steal of the draft. 11 points off the bench to really give that Nets team a lift. And a lot of contribution from the Nets bench, which I'm going to talk about here shortly. The Hawks shot 39% from the floor, 32% from three after, I mean, definitely a big dip after the record-setting performance from three versus Minnesota. Hawks out-rebounded the Nets, but were dominated in the paint 66 to 50 on Friday night. Could not keep the Nets out of the paint. Hawks only had 21 team assists on Friday night. Leading score for the Hawks, although not efficient, Trey Young ended with 31 points, 10 assists, 7 rebounds, 2 steals, but 7 turnovers on Friday night. John Collins with 20 points, 6 boards, 3 assists, 2 steals. Clint Capella, 14 points, 16 rebounds, two blocks. Herter, 19 points from him. He was hot early in the game, but did not get a shot attempt in the fourth quarter, which was a topic of discussion on Twitter and on the broadcast on Bally Sports and whatnot. But he shot before the fourth quarter a 7 of 11 from the field. It knocked down five three-pointers. Kevin Herter has been playing great since he's been getting more minutes with all the injuries. Gallo added 13 points off the bench. The Hawks bench was hilarious, hilariously outperformed by the Brooklyn Nets on Friday night. Even with Cam Reddish back, it was good to have him back, but he was struggling with his shot, as you can imagine, coming off a wrist injury. That's going to take time for him to get back in rhythm. So not going to 
pile on Cam Reddish that much. But he got to the free throw line four times, and that's something that I want to see more from Cam Reddish. Get fouled and get to the free throw line, get your shot in rhythm, and then outside of that, obviously get to the cup, shoot the mid-range, shoot the three, be a triple threat score like Kevin Herter does, you know, pretty consistently now since he's getting more clock. The Hawks are now 500 with a record of 13 and 13. They are fourth in the Southeast Division. Fourth. Eugh. And the only team they're ahead of are the Orlando Magic, who are extremely young and playing for another top five pick next year. Hawks are ninth in the East. Right now, they're in a play in position, which not terrible, but we were certainly expecting more from this Hawks team. Injuries. Just as last year has been a huge, huge backbreaker for the Hawks. Even with Cam Reddish back in the lineup now, having a little bit more depth at the wing position, but we're still without Bogey, who is progressing, doing some drills, individual drills now, but still probably a few weeks away. Okongu will be back soon, but still not on the court for the Atlanta Hawks. Sharif Cooper and Jalen Johnson may be in a fold as far as playing time, you know, getting called up from the College Park Hawks, but we'll see there. DeAndre Hunter still probably a month or so away from coming back. Solo, hopefully, obviously, speedy recovery, but he is going to be out for the season with a torn hamstring, although not a lot of playing time from Solo. Really big presence in that locker room, so hopefully he can get to a point where he can be back on the sideline, be at practice, be a voice in the ear of these young players and continue to motivate them and give them guidance with the veteran experience that he has. Hawks are truly going through it right now with all the injuries. But I guess the silver lining is that the Hawks went through this last year. They weathered the storm, a lot of injuries, and still had success. So this is not unfamiliar territory. It's just tough going through it as a team, as a fan base, supporters, who, whatever hat you wear as far as for the Atlanta Hawks, this is certainly tough to go through. And more silver lining, favorable schedule next couple of games. You have a banged-up Houston Rocket team coming into State Farm Arena tonight. Although they are 7-3 and three in the last 10 games, they will be without rookie Jalen Green, Daniel House, and Kevin Porter Jr. And then... After they take on Houston tonight, Wednesday night, they go on the road to take on the Orlando Magic. But after those two games, which certainly Hawks should win both of those games, should be 15 and 13 after these next two games. Friday night, they're going to welcome a lot another team with a lot of injuries, the Denver Nuggets here to Atlanta. Hawks, I don't know what the spread is going to be for that game. They're probably going to make Denver a slight favorite, obviously, with the reigning MVP on their team. And certainly he can elevate the play of those around him. But a lot of injuries, a lot on Jokic's plate. I think the Hawks could potentially win this game on Friday night against the Denver Nuggets. We're going to see there. And then they're going to have a home game on Sunday versus the Cleveland Cavaliers. Certainly a tough team performing over expectations for a lot of people including myself this year and when you look at the standings right now in the eastern conference cleveland is at 16 and 12 fifth in the east certainly fifth in the east in my opinion that's the hawk spot so 
if you want to beat the best, I'm not saying Cleveland's the best, but you got to beat Cleveland. You got to beat them. They play them a couple of times here in December, one here at home, and then later on on the road to end the calendar year. So got to get this win at home versus Cleveland. And then a couple days after that, Hawks are still at home, so they're going to have three straight games at home. Hopefully can get right there. They're going to take on the Orlando Magic next Wednesday, December 22nd at State Farm Arena. But then back-to-back, they're going to travel up to Philadelphia on the road there for a contest. Certainly going to be a tough matchup. Philadelphia is trending in the right direction. Got a big win versus the Golden State Warriors on Saturday night. Kept Steph Curry from breaking the record. So they're playing with a little bit more confidence. And Embiid is playing well. They're getting healthier after that little COVID outbreak in that locker room. So that's going to be a tough matchup next Thursday versus Philadelphia. Obviously, we've got the Christmas Day game on the road in New York, which is going to be on, obviously, December 25th, Christmas Day, next Saturday. Then after that game, they're going to come home, take on the Chicago Bulls on the 27th of December. And then two days after that, they're going to play the Bulls again up at the United Center in Chicago. And then, they, as I said before, finish out the calendar year 2021 with a road matchup versus the Cleveland Cavaliers. So that stretch is certainly not a cakewalk. So in my opinion, getting right versus Houston and Orlando is pivotal for the Hawks before taking on Denver. And as I said, Denver's been struggling four and six in the last 10 games, dealing with a lot of injuries. So the Hawks certainly have an opportunity to take advantage of a still pretty good and well-coached Denver Nuggets team, but it's going to come down to the fourth quarter, especially in that game, executing down the stretch, getting stops, and certainly make it hard for Jokic to do Jokic things. Like Then, as I said before, you get Cleveland and Orlando here at home before taking on Philadelphia. So, in my opinion, if the Hawks can work out their fourth quarter woes, have an offensive game plan to close out games, and execute that offensive game plan that involves ball movement. I think they can go 5-0 and in that stretch before taking on Philadelphia, which would be crucial, building some momentum you know, before that tough stretch that starts before Christmas and goes through the end of the month. Imagine, they go 5-0, and string a, together a bunch of games. Next thing you know, Hawks are 18-13. That could definitely move them up into the top seven, six, as far as in the standings in the Eastern Conference. And then you feel a lot better about yourself going into Christmas if you're the Hawks, going into the new year, even though you have that tough stretch. So these next five games are going to be crucial going into the new year. Uh, And the Hawks will certainly need to get healthy during the stretch. They're going to have to execute with the players who are on the court and they have to stay composed, which is another thing that A lot of people have been noticing uh, technical fouls, you know, arguing with the refs, showing your frustration in especially late in games. This is something that the Hawks cannot do. They get discouraged. They get frustrated. They let things get into their heads and then they start to falter as a team, not playing as well on a defensive end. And the next, you know, they make a mistake, uh, missing shots, easy shots or rushing possessions and to give the Hawks a bone, they're still a young team. 
They had success last year. They're trying to repeat, build on that success. So it's a lot of pressure on the Hawks, a lot of pressure put on themselves to repeat what they did last year. And I think that certainly translates to late-game situations being pressed and the Hawks just don't play Hawks basketball. They press and, you know, jack up shots and have breakdowns on the defensive end and get frustrated. So they're going to have to find their mojo in the fourth quarter and sustain it, finish games. That's on the players. That's on his coaching staff working on a game plan. Nate McMillan with timely timeouts and rotations, I know, which a lot of people like to complain about Nate McMillan with the rotation. Here's my thing about Nate McMillan rotation. Yes, he certainly keeps some people in there a little too long, but he knows his personnel better than us. They have some limitations there as far as injuries, and a lot of these players were the same players that played last year under Lloyd Pierce and under Nate McMillan. Nate McMillan definitely gave them a lift and some energy and instilled some confidence in them. This does not look like a confident team right now, so they're going to have to gain some confidence in these next five games to get some things going to, you know, turn the tide, as you like to say. But as much as you want to put it on Nate McMillan, these were the same players who were not executing late in games against Lloyd Pierce. Still a young team. Still have some growing pains and some hard lessons to learn, even with success last year. Just because you got an A on your last test doesn't mean that you cannot study and get an A again. You may have a C, you may have a B, have a drop in performance as far as when you're taking tests as a school analogy. That certainly applies in this situation as well. I'm not saying that the Hawks didn't put the work in this offseason. It certainly had a shortened offseason compared to other teams playing late into the postseason last year, but they're going to have to put that work in, put that same energy, that same effort they did when Nate McMillan took the reins in the late middle of the year last year. They're going to have to find that spark, even with the injuries, to turn this thing around. And in my opinion, if they are still 500 late in January, I think moves will be made on this roster. Uh, reports are coming out right now that the Hawks are reportedly getting calls about Cam Reddish around the league. And those reports say that the Hawks reportedly want a first round pick if they were to move off of Cam Reddish. And I agree. They should get a first round pick or a first round talent if you're going to trade Cam Reddish. And I think if you're the Hawks, Cam Reddish is certainly on the table. Has not been available in his uh, short career. Just bad luck. A lot of talent. A lot of potential in him as a player. But if teams are calling for him, and they've been calling for him for the last year and a half, you certainly have to listen to some reports if the deal is sweet enough to pull the trigger. I think Gallo should be on the table, especially with his contract and him getting older. He's put together a string of pretty decent games off the bench and has been a lift for the Hawks, but not consistent off the bench. Um, as you may think as an aging player in this league. And certainly he's a liability on the defensive end at times. So I think you put Gallo out there next year. I think Lou Will, obviously this is going to be his last year. He's going to be gone. Uh, Gorgie Jang has a one-year contract this year. So there are some moves that the Hawks can make to streamline the offense and maybe get some personnel that is needed on this team. In my opinion, 
and I put this out on Twitter, I think the Hawks are missing an enforcer on his team, like a Draymond, a Marcus Smart type player, someone who can, you know, when the, when the chips are down, who's a vocal leader, you know, outside of Trey Young. Like right now, I think Trey Young is the leader on his team with his play, getting everybody involved. John Collins is the emotional leader on his team. And last year, at times, it looked like the enforcer was Clint Capella. But I haven't really seen that this year. I know he's been trying to work back from his Achilles issue. But we need, I feel like, another player like that who is an enforcer who can produce. And there's not too many of those players around the league. So that could be a lot to ask for. But I think the Hawks either need that or a player who can just truly put their head down get to the basket, score, or put their head down, draw contact, and get to the free throw line. And if moves are to be made, I think those are the type of types of players the Hawks need. We have plenty of jump shooters on this team. But outside of Trey Young, who was obviously smaller in stature, who do you trust on this Hawks team to go downhill, put their head down, maintain the dribble, get to the rim, and score? I'm waiting. Obviously, this is not a live audience, so you can't give me an answer. But that's something I think the Hawks are missing. I want that from Cam Reddish. I want that from DeAndre Hunter. But that's just not their game. I think Reddish is certainly capable of doing it. Reddish is certainly capable of doing it. With his size, his length, he should be able to get to the basket, in my opinion, at will with his athleticism, and get to the foul line at least six times a game. I think he can be like that. I think he can be that guy. Like I said, I would love for Cam Reddish for, to feel that need for the Hawks, but he's not feeling it right now. And it may be time to move on from Cam Reddish and find a veteran who can do that. And as far as names that are out there, I've seen some articles and some names have been mentioned of players who the Hawks could potentially get and benefit the team now. I saw an interesting article written by one of the NBA analysts that a CJ McCollum trade with Atlanta. Obviously, we would have to come off of probably Bogey, Cam Reddish. I saw Oyeka Kongu or Gallo. We're going to have to give up some assets if we're going to get CJ McCollum. Interesting fit. I think he does fit with Trey Young. You know, Three-level score, obviously not great on a defensive end, but certainly someone else who can score in late-game situations. But injuries have been a big concern for C.J. McCollum since he's been in the league. I've seen Justin Holiday be put out there. He has some defense, decent shooting. I think, in my opinion, he's just a slightly better version of TLC. So you guys can take that or leave it. And Kenrick Williams for the... Sorry, Orlando. Oklahoma City Thunder. Another 3 and D guy. His numbers are down this year. But OKC is in full rebuild mode right now. Certainly we can get picks, first round pick out of them potentially. But in the end, it's mid-December. It's too early to know who will be available come trade deadline. Who is going to be disgruntled by late January early February to even get into the conversation of people who he can potentially go and get. 
and who we would have to come off of. So I would love to hear what the listeners, you guys think as far as people who we could potentially go and get or who you want coming to Atlanta if a trade were to happen at the deadline. All I know is that Reddish, Gallo, Bogey, I think those are three guys who can certainly be on the move for the right deal. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this as the season progresses. But as for now, we're going to play with who we have. Let's put together another streak and get north of 500 starting tonight versus the Houston Rockets. And if you love what you heard today, give us five stars. Give us a good review. Share it and tell everyone about the hottest new podcast covering the Atlanta Hawks. Share with fellow Hawks fans, NBA fans, Georgia sports fans, basketball enthusiasts, no matter. Put them on to this show. Follow us on Twitter at Ethos Hawks on Twitter. That is at Ethos Hawks on Twitter. Follow myself, Brad Jarrett, 6'7. That is Brad J A R R E T T, 6'7 on Twitter. And want to let the fans know that I finally got to check out the beautiful, beautiful State Farm Arena on Saturday night as I got to check out the now 19-ranked LSU Fighting Tigers as they took on the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. And they pulled it out, got the dub, won by 16 points, moved to 9-0. and So I'm happy as an LSU fan to get to watch that. I know Skylar Mays and Trey Young were in attendance on Saturday night, got to try to say what's up to them. Didn't They didn't reciprocate it, but I'm going to try to get it one day. One day. Y'all see. But it was just happy opportunity to check out the arena, you know, catch a ball game with my dad. We got to enjoy the game, enjoy the venue. Like I said, see my Tigers. So it was just a, it was just a wonderful time. Wonderful time. But I say that to let you guys know that I'm going to make it to a Hawks game this year. Get ready. It's going to happen, and I'm going to let you know when I get to pull up to a Hawks game. I can't wait. Watch so many of the games, obviously, covering the team. And it's going to be fun to be able to get into the arena, feel the atmosphere, feel the electricity, and watch this team in person, especially with the J.C. Dunks, the Trey Young dribble, floaters, three-pointers from the logo, and so much more with the Hawks team. So going to keep you all posted when I pull up. But with that, go Hawks. It starts tonight with Houston, and we're going to catch you guys next episode.